0: Hi, welcome back to A Question of Code. Uh, this week we're really lucky to be joined by Chris Coyer, internet personality extraordinaire. Um, uh, probably needs no introduction, but he's the creator slash curator, I guess, of CSS Tricks, which we've all used quite a lot. Uh, co- code founder of CodePen and the co-host, co-host of the Shop Talk Show podcast, which I have listened to for years and is thoroughly excellent. Chris, thanks so much for being on the show with us.
1: Yeah, sure. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks a
0: lot for coming on. Um I think possibly one thing that I wanted to um dive into straight away is maybe if you could tell our audience a little bit about CodePen. Um and I think this is specifically relevant because I've in the past used CodePen sort of pretty much as a as a sort of portfolio. It's been it's been instrumental in sort of winning people over in job interviews.
1: Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, that's definitely one of the uh, I don't know if you call it a use case. That sounds so boring, but uh, but I like that one. You know, I like the idea that you can be found that way because Copenhagen is a, a you know a public and social place if you want it to be. You know, there's a you know there's another use case if you will where you just make everything private and you just have no no desire to participate <laughs> publicly on there, and that's fine too. You know, I don't I really don't care that much if you're finding use out of it. That's that's good for me, but. If nobody's seen Codepen, it's codepen.io. It's, um, you know, you sign up, have an account, and then it's uh, like an editor in the browser. And so largely focused on front-end technology, so you're largely writing HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And you hit save, and you get a URL then to the thing that you made, which you can find again. You can update People can heart it, they can comment on it, I, they can follow me, I can follow them. There's this whole social layer around the idea of of, of using the editor. And some people are way deep into the, the social aspects of it, and some people aren't, and and that's okay. But fortunately for all of us, the, the social thing kind of powers... Some of the fun stuff on CodePen, whether you directly participate or not. For example, you know if you're if you're involved in liking pens and adding them to collections and com, you know, and doing that kind of thing on CodePen that's kind of fueling data and algorithms for guessing at the quality of the thing that you're looking at. You know, if you find a particularly nice example of some design pattern you're looking for and you heart it, that's going to help it show up in search for other people and the like. So, so whether or not you participate in that, the people that do really help us all out, which is kind of, kind of cool. Yeah.
0: It's a great place to go for, for inspiration. Um, but it's also a good place to, um, I mean, I I, will get past the, Trying to sell everyone on, on CodePen eventually <laughs> uh, in a few minutes, but while we're on it, it's a really great place to um, just flesh out like a, a single, like reproducible instance of an idea that you've got or uh, some kind of layout you want to experiment with without outside of the, the confines of a, a really more complicated application. Yeah, Because um, right, right, I right. think I think the one of the selling points to me is that it's just so easy to get started um, with different, like particularly with JavaScript, because we've talked recently on the podcast about how the JavaScript ecosystem is not as uh, friendly as not the unfriendly is not the right word, but it's not necessarily an easy experience when you, for people who are brand new to JavaScript, who are trying to follow along with a tutorial and get something running to do that sort of just on your computer can be quite tricky, particularly when you get into sort of all the the hassles of node modules, et cetera. Whereas doing something like that on CodePen is nice and easy.
1: Yeah, we, you know, we have a long way to go too. I'd like to, I'd like to make that uh, much easier still, but you know, Sure. Thanks. You know, we'll get there.
2: I, th- I think one of the as someone beginning to learn to code, one of the the uses I've come across it most is people linking to a, in a Stack Overflow post. So there'll be someone like, "Oh, you should do this, this, and this," and then they'll they, you can actually go and see how that should look and have a mess around with it as well. So I found that very useful. That's nice. They
1: they don't. I don't think they discourage it necessarily. But there was a moment on Stack Overflow where they said like, "No more links to," and it wasn't just us, but I think we were named. And JS Fiddle and other similar apps where it's like, I don't want the answer on Stack Overflow to just be that URL that got kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it was <laughs> like, you got to put the answer in the code. And then if that's accompanied by a link, that's cool. And then they even went a step further and built in their own little kind of code code box runny machine into stack overflow (laughs) which of course uh, how can you blame them that's definitely the uh, a smart move for them but yeah i certainly don't mind uh links on stack overflow that's that's handy that's the whole point i mean at the whole point because you know (laughs) tom just told us he uses it for a portfolio too but the idea is that you can have an answer like that like like it sometimes a pen really is the answer to a Stack Overflow question. And it's not theoretical. It's not like, try this line of code. It's like, no, go to this link and you'll see it actually work. You're, it's not a line of code that then you got to bring back somewhere else and execute and see if the answer was right or not. The, the proof is in the pudding. It's right in front of you. It's running.
2: You know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, before we maybe move on to like more technical stuff, I was wondering if you could maybe tell us a bit about how how you got started in programming and kind of what led you to build all these great tools for people?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how far you want to go back. You know, it was just I—I I don't know what made me a computer nerd exactly, but but certainly the the my early, you know middle school, high school, just fell in with that crowd. Yeah. So kind of came up in school, enjoying doing things on computers, which took all kinds of different forms, from you know basic. Uh, anything that was social, I was always attracted to, you know, logging into bulletin board systems and what, anything, anything where, or I was kind of sharing the experience with other people. It wasn't just like me hacking alone or whatever, but video <laughs> games were always a part of it, of course, because gaming on computers is fun. And I just found myself always, you know, whatever I was doing in life, being like being a computer nerd on the side was a part of it, you know, whatever, whatever <laughs> else it was. So I went to college and, and just kind of assumed, you know, you just don't know what you're doing those early days of college. Like, I guess that should be my major. I mean, picking your major is kind of a big deal, you know, like what? So I was like, I guess that's yeah. the thing that I should be doing which was like a kind of a sad moment in my life. Cause I was like, I hate this actually <laughs> when I have to use your computers, not mine. And it's like, I was always a Mac dude, even when Macs weren't cool, fine. You know that I, I don't really care what anybody uses these days. Cause think thankfully the web is so, is so, uh, is cool that way. Yeah. Use whatever platform yep. you want. Yeah, yeah. But I like, Apple, whatever. It's just my world. I like it. And, uh, and then that just wasn't a possibility in college. I was kind of forced out of that. And just that was enough for me to not like it. <laughs> <laughs> not to mention, I thought the classes were bogus. The languages weren't any fun. You know, it just was, I wasn't into it. And then spent so long just being like, I guess this is life. I don't have any, I don't know. I just can't, <laughs> I not have any choice, but, you know, of course you do, but you're just a kid and you just don't know what's in front of you. And I bailed on it and ended up doing art instead just because it was more fun. And I t- absolutely don't regret that either. Because I think a lot of school, you know, like don't listen to me, kids, but I don't think school's that important, you know. <laughs> uh, what can I say as an ex-teacher?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, I was going to say, neither of us have degrees in computer science. We are, Both our degrees are in music, aren't they? Um, oh,
1: so yeah, right on. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I still come. play to this day too. I'm not, I'm not a hell of a musician, but I picked like a niche kind of music that I like to play and find people wherever I go that play it. And it's just kind of a folk deal. And, and, you know, I'm an active practicing musician today with no desire to ever play out or record or anything. I just like, I like the kind of the back porch jam thing. Uh, just, that's yeah. my vibe. I love uh, it.
0: I've enjoyed music so much more since I stopped trying to pursue it as a career.
1: Yeah, um, I see. No, there's a I mandolin on your wall there. That's cool. I played yeah, mandolin for many years. Uh, selections. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I, I mean, I still do, but I mean, okay. I mean, when I was more <laughs> serious, that was my instrument. Yeah, uh, cool. Well, yeah. then I, then I, then I, then I did when I got out. I was like, there actually is money in this. You actually can have a people will pay you to use your computer. Ultimately, you know, it took me a while to, to figure that out, and some kind of lucking into some jobs, but. You know, did the agency thing for a minute and then was just so excited about it. I mean, it might just, my day was probably unhealthily filled, still is really, unhealthily filled with sitting at a computer. And and eventually those, you know, I was always kind of minorly entrepreneurial too. You know, like this time should be going towards something. It should be going towards building something or establishing relationships or or something. And something about even stuff like SEO appeals to me. Like if I just chip away at it long enough... I can win this little game. Like, I don't know anything about it, but I know that content matters. I know that links matter. And so, you know, part of some of that, like early days of starting CSS tricks and stuff was just like, I will be the shepherd of this site and I will do it for a long time. And eventually I will win. You know, I'm kind of a long-term minded kind of guy too. So that was kind of, you know, get started with CSS tricks and stuff. And that, that really opened all the doors for me. It's just, you write articles, people read them that that becomes this cycle of being excited about something like, wow, somebody read my thing. I'm going to write another one. I'm going to do a better job. I'm going to redesign my site. So it's more appealing to people. I'm going to start tracking these metrics because they're interesting to me. And you know, then it just turns into this snowball of, of trying to, <laughs> to, to do better. And then by virtual working on that, I'm invited to conferences. I get better job offers that I take and bounce around tech and, that that was kind of the story. That's what, and then and then I always knew that working for myself is ideal. You know, like I don't like to have a boss. Nobody wants to. You know, if you, if you have to have the choice, I'd prefer not to. You know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So your your stack at the moment, uh, when when you're coding, is your your front end technologies. That's my understanding of it. Your JavaScript, CSS. Yeah, but so. I've
1: been around the block long enough that I can. I'm not really afraid of anything anymore. You know. Fantastic. I don't think my my skill level is particularly incredible at at the back end languages as much, but but it's there. I mean, I spent my entire morning bouncing between a rails app and the javascript in front of it and it had to do with data too so i was kind of like looking at database stuff and you know not that i'm amazing at that stuff i definitely feel more more comfortable on the front end but just being the owner of an app that is very full stacky and and Mm -hmm. not being a manager really like i my job is mostly coding still unfortunately (laughs) (laughs) i like coding but i'm like oh my god when can i when can i step up to the big chair and just tell people what to do that's gonna be great
0: oh fabulous yeah do you think do you think that's a good direction for people who are just getting started to go into the web like front
1: end web tech is that still yeah just because it only if you're the only thing you care about is growth and activeness on the web that's the way to go like I don't think back end is getting any smaller necessarily but front end is just exploding and there's more jobs in it and you're more powerful on the stack and can do more and it it's if you're interested in entrepreneurial stuff that's the place to be because you can you can touch all aspects of the business with that skill set I think that's the that would be a way I would uh I'd push anybody unless you're like super attracted to database scaling or you're super attracted to devops is big these days too. If that if you can if you dabble in that and had a good time doing that, you're going to make money there too if that's the goal, you know, especially if it's also satisfying to you. I mean, that's the real beauty of this is that we can have these careers that hopefully they're kind of fun to us too. I mean, I'd be surprised if y'all were doing a podcast and you didn't enjoy this job to some degree some, <laughs> I mean, you know, people that hate their jobs don't start podcasts about how much they hate their job. So
0: <laughs> well, we kind of inadvertently started one about how much I didn't like teaching, so that was kind of part of the part of a I've focused, also yeah. kind
2: of gone on about how I don't like CSS much as well. But, we
1: <laughs> but that's good. I mean I don't you know I like CSS, but you don't have to. What, by you saying that, I've, I'm like I'm happy for you because you, that means you're <laughs> self analyzing what you like and what you don't like about about the job, and like everybody's going to be different in that way. And I, I think if you're not thinking about that, that it's like okay to like some things more than other things, then that's not, it's not as good. I mean, having some self awareness of what you're into, especially in the early days, like you are, clutch.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's just such a wide a wide career. To, there's like there's so many different avenues to go down in tech like i didn't know about most of the things i know about now when i first started out i was like oh there's just you go and make some websites or uh what else you do you make like a windows application i didn't know about like now i'm working in embedded software i hadn't even heard of basically hadn't heard of that when uh, when i when i started like applying and stuff so yeah there's 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 such a wide variety of things there. I think it's definitely it's a career where you can choose the thing that you enjoy most to focus on. So that yeah, that's definitely something that's been amazing.
1: Yeah, you can choose for now. You know, so might as well take advantage of it before the robots take over or whatever.
2: That's that's
0: true. We've got to watch out for those robots. You're genuinely genuinely worried about that, Ed, aren't you? You think that's going to happen? Oh, at some point,
2: yeah, they'll take over. We'll be fine though. will they'll take our jobs last. Everyone else will be out of a
0: job first, apart from the maybe artists and stuff.
2: <laughs> Maybe I'll become a musician again.
0: <laughs> Go full circle. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to ask you about, Chris, is the um, your take on like the hiring landscape, particularly because you. I, I, my impression, I think, my assumption is you probably have quite an, an interesting perspective on that.
1: I think you'd be. surprised. I'm probably not the best person to talk to about it because I think there's a lot of – like even just your average developer at LinkedIn or something, they probably have a better beat on it than I do just because I think a lot of developers are asked to participate in hiring because they're like, you know, they're like, oh, we'll we'll put put it on Chris's schedule. He should do the interview for this one kind of – at least that's the impression that I get. Most developers I've talked to have participated in a lot more interviews than I ever have. I've, I've not really interviewed that many times and I have not interviewed people that many times in my life. So I don't, I don't feel like I, even though just through virtue of podcasting and reading lots of articles and just being in this industry for a long time, I feel like I have a beat on and I feel like I understand what the conversations are, but I haven't, I don't have a lived experience like a lot of, uh, of other people do necessarily, but it depends on what, where you want to go with this. I still may have some insights, Yeah. You know.
0: Well, I was thinking one of the things that the mantra is almost that comes out of listening to shop talk is that it's a great time to be doing what we're doing, and there are jobs out there for for if you're if you're good at what you do. Um, is that still? I mean, has that evolved much over the last few years? Is it well? St- we still on an upward trajectory, or do you think? Well, I mean, the
1: <laughs> virus isn't helping anything, so that's, no, that's yeah, <laughs> that's true. Is, but uh, um, <laughs> but still, you know, I see people landing jobs and announcing that they're happy that. I, I see less, even during these times, less people being like, I am so screwed. I absolutely cannot find nothing. I'm out of house and home kind of thing. Not in tech. I don't hear those stories quite as much. I'm sure they're out there. So I don't mean to minimize anybody's experience there. But for the most part, the people I know are employed and finding work and doing okay in tech. Definitely our jobs out there. Although here's, you know, here's some evidence to the the contrary. We have a job board on CodePen. I've always wanted to, to hit it on the job board, seeing other companies that are similar to us a little bit, just kill it on the job board. So I've always like, uh, known that, you know, and you can even just do scratch pad math and tell the dribble the site where you you going know, to post little screenshots of your work. or was friends with the dribble team. They kill it on their job board. They just do an amazing job over there. Now theirs is nicer than ours, but, uh, it's nicer because they make money and then they invest in it, and make it better over time, but they've, clicked, something works over there on the job board. And we, we've had a job board for years and years on CodePen and tried to different tactics to make it click. And it really hasn't. But because I think of some kind of lack of momentum or something it, since the virus, gosh, you know, a handful of jobs get posted on there a month, maybe, you know, that, and that's discouraging that it could be just, well, our job board hasn't hit, but it was doing a lot better before this. And it's just as like, it's just, uh, it just sucks right now, you know? And I would think if the industry was like in a uh, very popping hiring stage, that that wouldn't be the case. So at least would have seen our, our our numbers be steady on that job board, but they, they just haven't been. So anyway, you know, there are jobs out there we do have, you know, there's still, you know, a couple of dozen jobs on there. So it's not like there's nothing. There's certainly interesting things in there. I mean, just, just a quick look, you know, automatic is hiring the makers of WordPress. There's like a Sonos job in here. That's pretty rad. That'd be a cool. Anyway, <laughs> there, there's stuff, but there's going to be a lot more than that. And in fact, I, I think a, a good way to go when people are hiring anyway is to like, just because I've known so many people that got jobs this way, you just ask, you know, like not every company is even bothered to be very explicitly declare themselves in a hiring mode, take the time to write up what they're looking for. Exactly. Have time to go find job boards or put out word of mouth or deal with it. They just like, they, they know they probably need somebody, but haven't just gotten around to it yet. I think there's tons of companies that are in that space. I know if I ever get into the, the busy hiring You know, like, oh, I really need somebody. It takes me quite a while to actually get around to to doing it. And if something just falls in your lap, well, wasn't that serendipitous, you know? (laughs) So so I think if you want to work somewhere in particular, your best bet is to do the work um, to... Get yourself into a presentable state, you know, like have the website, have a good CV, have whatever you want. And then, and then make a list of jobs that you would actually like, because that would be rad to work there. At least you think it would be, you know, you never quite know until you're in. And then write something specifically to somebody there. Be like, I love your company. I like it because X, Y, and Z. This is where I'm at in life. This is where I'm at professionally. I'd love to have a chance to talk to you about what I could do there. Kind of like just make it sound like you're the real person that you actually are and send it to them whether they're hiring or not. I feel like you're going to have just as good or better chance of getting along in the process there than you would be just doing the like, well, it's Tuesday. Time to troll the job boards and just submit the same CV to ten different jobs. You know. Anyway, that's yeah. my generic advice.
0: Well, that sounds like a pretty smart way way to go about it. I know um, something similar from my times as a as a graphic designer. Like a lot of the times, just getting a conversation with someone is enough to to spark something in in a company. And you can ask for something that I've heard recommended is to ask for just a portfolio review. Um, as well if that's something similar that happens I've never I've never seen it happen in tech to be honest (laughs) I don't know if it's (laughs) sounds a bit cheeky (laughs) yeah it it seems to be an established thing in more designy circles Um, but it's been a while since I've been in that world
1: yeah, I could see that. Yeah, take a look at my i think it's, it's weird in code because you're, I don't know, take a look at my GitHub, I guess. Like, what do you, mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's not that I couldn't give you anything interesting, but it's like, it feels like a lot like work. Yeah. Like and I can't just give you a quick impression of it. I can't be like, mm, not enough green dots there. Like, that's not useful to you. And I don't really want to like dig into your, your entire application's flow to understand it. Whereas with a portfolio, I, I think I can just look and just be like, oh. this is clearly the weakest logo on this page. Why don't you just get rid of it? Mm. Or like, like this one looks collegey. Like what's, you know, I think there's like generic advice that's still useful maybe there. Whereas just looking at your code pen or looking at your GitHub, I'm not going to be like, you should delete that pen.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see it a lot on Twitter, actually, like people, especially around January, people up do, do up their websites and they're like, everyone have a look at my website. What do you think? Yeah. And then people like
0: chip in. Hey,
1: just having a website at all, you're you're in the top 10%, swear to God, <laughs> you know?
0: You reckon there's that many people out there that, aren't, that, that want to be in the web and don't have their
1: own website? Yes. Yes, I do oh. think that. <laughs> Madness. <laughs> I know, there's yeah. just nothing. You just get an email that's just like, hi, I'm Jed. Here's... I think I should have a job at your place. Here's my Microsoft Word document, you know. That's the standard. That's the standard, I think. And it probably works to some degree because there's so many. I think the bigger the company, the chances are that the hiring process is automated to some degree. So it has to be a Word document because that's what their little thing chews up. And it goes through there and it looks like it has to match some keywords. So don't, you know, you better... And then it hopefully lands on somebody's desk and they they get a printout of the Word document and they look at it and go, hmm, maybe. And they put it in two different yes or no piles or whatever. And like, you know, maybe... (laughs) Unfortunately... That's just they have two thousand applications to go through, so that's that's where you're at. Now that already makes my skin crawl. I'm like, I don't want to work somewhere where that's a, that's what <laughs> HR is. But that's just me being a privileged, bastard. You know, I think some people sometimes you got to get through some of those jobs because you need a job. So go get it.
2: Yeah, yeah. That, that's something we've talked about before. Is I kind of I took the. I, it's a great job and I'd I love it there but um I kind of took the first one that came along essentially because well because I didn't have a job at the time and I was like I really need a job I, I'm not in the situation where I can choose whereas now I've been working a bit longer I, yeah. like if I go to apply again I'd be like oh now I've got a bit of choice in what I do but I think for people maybe starting out yeah I've always Tom Tom's always gone against me but I've always said just go for the first thing that comes along unless it looks like really awful
1: mm, yeah <laughs> there's probably a middle ground there yeah
0: yeah I've been called out on that before. I mean I for a long time I've said, "Oh yeah, this is like it, it's a employees market." I don't know. You you can you can pick and choose when you're when you're looking right. for a job. It's it's more about hunting and finding the right place, but yeah, I've had quite a few people sort of sort of called that out as being kind of fairly privileged.
1: The thing is you might not even know early on. You might not even know what you're looking for. You don't like your experience is so low that you don't know how to be picky and choosy until you have some experience Mm. from which to be picky and choosy with, you know, because you're learning about you're learning about the industry. but You're learning about yourself, too. You know, like what if you get a job and in some open floor plan and you're like, this is great. I love this. Then you know that about yourself, but you didn't before because you've never had that opportunity before. Whereas it took me having a job like that to be like, that's the worst thing ever, and I'd rather flip burgers than working in an open office. You know, I needed, I needed <laughs> to have that experience to even know.
0: <laughs> when I first started out, I naively thought, you know, I've done a few Lynda courses, I've read CSS tricks, I know how to make websites, I can go it alone. And spent probably the better part of a year just sort of dragging around on on freelance stuff and getting through, and it was a learning experience. But it wasn't until I got into an office and started working with colleagues and seeing being exposed day to day to other people who were doing code then that that's kind of when i think of my career as starting really that first year of solo
1: doesn't necessarily i'm glad you said that i've heard countless people say that that like the it's a mistake to have your first foray be just like i'm just gonna i'm just gonna solo it You're just not, you're not good enough yet. You haven't, you haven't seen it, (laughs) seen it all yet, you know, and you don't need a zillion years of experience, but you need to like live this world of building stuff and see other people's processes and see other people's approaches and all that's just, you don't have the skill bucket yet alone.
0: And like you said, being exposed to the different things that you may not have even known about prior to being in that environment. Oh yeah.
1: You're going to learn millions of things.
2: Uh, Yeah, I I learned so much more in my first month at my job than I probably did in like the last two years I was teaching myself. There you go. (laughs) Maybe not that much, but like it was like the amount you pick up from just working with other people. It's just, it's insane like just being in the same week We can't at the moment be in the same room,
1: but yeah. You're, and some of some you are forced into it, right? Like you're, uh, I don't know. I remember one of the first job and then there was version control. Never used that before, but we, I don't mm-hmm. have a choice. I can't say like, nah, I don't like this. No, you're going to use version control. It's not a. This isn't a debate <laughs> on what you like or not. I was dragged along into SaaS, was dragged along into React and these technologies, the not big name stuff that I probably wouldn't have just self picked out to learn. Probably a lot of times you got to get pulled into it by some other developer that's working that way, and you're like, okay, well, I guess this is how we're doing it, and only then do you're like, oh, I get it. That's great. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, we talk, talk kind of touched on the the power of having colleagues that you interact with all the time and being in an office with people I, my understanding is copen is a kind of a distributed team is that right yeah yeah entirely yeah so you you don't have a you have a place where you all come together how do you do you think there's anything lost from that uh collegial like the melting pot that we were just talking about of learning things
1: yeah but not as much as what's gained you know it's just what you get together once in a while and you have this great experience where the, where you're together and you're like, wow, we really worked fast and solved problems. That was so cool. And then, you know, it's like, you're like, I've had that experience recently. And then I was like, let's try to recreate it and, you know, kind of get together on a really small scale and talk, you know, and then be like, ah, that didn't work out as well or something. you be like, it's not a silver bullet getting together is being together all the time. Isn't, generally amazing. And then I find not being together gives us so much more freedom, you know, like my day isn't so structured. I, and I enjoy that freedom and our communication is good because it has to be good because nobody's there at the same time or, you know, cause of time zones and weird stuff like that. So there's a lot of written stuff, you know, a lot of stuff happening in, in version control and issue in tickets and notion for, which is an app we use for meeting notes and all that stuff like you can find what you need because our written communication is so strong yeah we found
0: that as well i mean we're, we're a distributed team where i work as well and most of the time um, previous to well, everyone's distributed now but previously we used to kind of get together once a week or so but most of the time are independent and it's all about Yeah, we're heavy notion users um and yeah, GitHub issues and, and tickets and things become, well, not issues so much as uh, PRs and what
1: have you. Yeah, isn't that nice? I mean, I, I, now I do, you know, whatever little open source work I do, it just feels so like we are obviously getting work done here and doing it very asynchronously and very clearly. And I just like it. I like I like what the what tech has done for the, kind of our workforce.
0: I wonder mm, what um, a junior coming in, someone who's brand new would, would find like being thrown into a remote, position because previously i've said oh don't ever think about being remote if you're junior like, and by junior i mean literally just sort of your first job in tech but it looks like at least for the time being if you want to get a job now it's probably going to be remote from the start anyway do you think that's going to have much of an impact
1: Hmm. i mean huh, yeah probably yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i just like that it's happening at all you know i think for a long time there's a lot of us being like you know tap 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 the watch face can we get on with this please like it's it's you hear way more stories about people that are just like oh my god why do i have to go into the office for this why is there not more remote opportunities for this job then you hear about people are like i am forced to work remote this is weird i want you know i want to go into the office it's much more the other way around so if this is a a kick in the butt in that direction you know to having that be kind of the standard thing that's that's probably good now is it gonna you know are new people gonna lose out on some of that in office stuff i mean i i don't know maybe you know i don't know
2: i mean at the moment new people are gonna miss out whatever just because of the situation we're in (laughs) like i don't think i think this might be a good opportunity for companies and people to figure out what to do with juniors coming in remotely like there will be i guess there will be different things that need to be put in place
0: yeah to, it's, it's to, felt like the the unsolved part of the puzzle is like that onboarding of new people who need a lot of mentoring it hasn't been fixed yet i feel like possibly accelerated because of, of current times but also that's some fancy company is going to come along and solve that problem and have a fantastic onboarding and mentoring system for for new employees and they're gonna clean up because it's gonna it's going and that's the direction the world's going
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, you might miss out on a little, like make mentorship a little trickier, perhaps. And I don't know, I don't know. And, and then, you know, just some jobs like it or not have some kind of like performance monitoring kind of thing. Like I hate being in that position on either side, or I'm being monitored, or I'm responsible for monitoring somebody. So I try to avoid that as much as possible. But that working from home does make that more challenging, you know, I'm sure there's some companies that are relying on things like how much code did you commit and was your oh. dot green or red or <laughs> not and, and stuff like that. That's going to happen because it's kind of like the only metrics they got. You know, they can't they can't just obviously tell if you're working or not.
2: Aren't know those companies that have got uh, you have to download a piece of software and that takes a picture of you every minute or something so that people can check you at your desk.
0: I'm sure I've heard of that. If there was ever a sign to move somewhere else, <laughs> <laughs> it would be them
1: doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah, it fun. really is. You know, it's like you have a problem there that that's not going to solve. You think it's going to solve it, but it's not going to solve it. You know, that's that's not a that's not a good thing for anybody.
0: Yeah. No. My yep. my um my wife has to track her time in six minute increments and um, it's because she's a solicitor a lawyer so it's uh, it's all about the money it's not so much a men- mentoring thing it's like what's chargeable but i <laughs> oh, i've had to time track at one job before and i oh, i do not miss that at all
2: <laughs> I, I guess it's tricky for uh for comp- for managers isn't it like people in charge like oh how do how do i know people are doing this work and there has to be if you're at a company where there's not that level of trust it's going to be could be a tricky thing to do. There's
1: trust, and it's hard, even at a small scale. So, you know, it's like you—it's not just a Well, I have ten reports, so I—I literally can't. I literally can not i do not know. I can't keep my finger on all of them all day. That's a scale problem. But even on a smaller scale than that, it's kind of like some people just work in different ways. So just because it's been two days and you haven't like heard a ton from them, it—that's it, it, not proof positive that they're checked out on their job. And but likewise, if you know, if you see a bunch of commits from them. That doesn't mean that they're killing it either. They can really be phoning it in with how much they're paying attention and the quality of work. And that's not a metric either. It's just a very difficult problem to solve. You know, it really needs to, there's some subjectiveness to it. You know, the, the, whoever's in charge of monitoring that really needs to be plugged in with what's going on to fairly measure it.
2: Yeah, but then when you get to that level, it's you probably have the same issue, people going to the office, don't you? People going to the office, sit there all day, looks like they're working, but they That's might just be messing around. It's yeah.
0: much easier to look busy in a physical office. <laughs> If you yeah. just if you're watching the clock, yeah, it doesn't work when you're at home,
1: right? But I mean, that you I mean so whatever you can you can use that as a metric. Were they there at least? Okay, well, that's one part of an equation. Well, the other part of the equation is I don't know. Did they have how much did they participate in the meeting or in? you know, what was the, uh, how many errors did their code ha- have? You know, what did they release? You know, Not that you should be scolded for releasing any kind of error, but it's some kind of metric, you know, it's some kind of, some kind of quality control thing, you know, how much, you know, do they brainstorm? Like, have I ever observed them helping some other employee? That's wonderful too. If I never have, doesn't that kind of isn't that weird? Isn't that a little selfish? You know, like, to, but there's all those are like just four buckets of what are probably 50 buckets of things that you could measure for an employee. And there's no, there's never going to be like, you know, an app for that. You got to just mentally measure it. I don't know. That's just, I'm just, I have, again, I have so little actual experience here that please take that with a grain of salt, you know. <laughs>
2: I wanted to kind of circle back around to CSS tricks if that's right. It was something that you said earlier about um like when it, when you started it off it wasn't I mean some people might be surprised to hear that the like the very first day you started CSS tricks it wasn't this massive most popular thing on the internet for people looking up CSS. And this idea of I guess persistence and you talked about the 10% of people have a website and like if just by putting yourself out there and content like Getting past the point of the bit where you get bored and just carrying on a bit more can push you in ahead of so many other people in terms of like employability and being seen and being recognised. Mm-hmm. Is, que- is there a question? there? <laughs> <laughs> um, my question was: so, how long did it take for like CSS tricks to kind of to get popular? Essentially, like, did was it did, was it quite a quick takeoff, or did you have to like? plug away at it for quite a while before it
1: yeah i mean it depends on how you measure that 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 kind of success i would say that there was there's certainly like years of effort there before anybody would consider it kind of uh having gone any you know even basic levels of success you know but I don't know. I'm not sure if that's, that's even fair. I, you know, I was looking into the, I have a presentation I'm going to do soon about kind of like the business of CSS tricks, which is just a, a weird thing I agreed to, but here we are, <laughs> you know, and looking at the early days. Now it was 2007 when CSS tricks launched. So, you know, I don't know what, what that matters, but it was 13 years ago, you know, and even in that first year, I, I look back because I was looking at some screenshots I have of old designs of it, which is fun, you know, and there's ads on it, like immediately, like, like, there's n- almost never been not ads on CSS tricks. It's not I didn't start it and then be like, Oh, I got traffic, maybe I'll experiment with ads. All along, it was kind of like, can I make some money from ads on this site or in any other way? It's not the ads that I'm interested in. It's the money that I'm interested in. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but ads was the kind of the obvious choice. And ads are kind of cool because they're so hands-off. You just sell it, and then it's there, and then you don't do anything, you know? Like freelance is so, the opposite of that. you got to work hard for your money in freelance. <laughs> that sucks, you know? I don't want to work hard. Um, <laughs> so there's just something appealing about the hands-off nature of advertising in a way. It turns out it's, it's a lot of work also, like anything else. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> no. I had a, somebody emailed me Wanting to buy an ad on the spot and I had absolutely no experience and and I didn't seek out any advice I just did it you know like I you know and that company I probably think they're still around today although I don't know how I don't know it was called PSD to HTML they were big they're the biggest player in that I have a Photoshop document and I I want you to code it like I designed it you code it (laughs) give me it back and we'll go from there kind of thing and it was like $100 Mm -hmm. or something they were they were always kind of like weirdly affordable. I don't know, it's like, it feels like it's even cheaper these days with fiber and stuff yeah. like that. But my gosh, at the time, it felt like a, like too good to be true. I did use it a few times, like, like, like for science, like, how are they gonna do, you know, and it was about as <laughs> mediocre as you could imagine, you know, like, it was fine. It's not like they didn't do the work. They did the work. Uh, Cause I wanted to make sure it wasn't totally, yeah, it was, a t- I feel like people struggled with, is this like faux pas or not? Is this gross or not? Is this okay to use or not? And, And I, you know, in the end I was like, I guess I don't care, you know, like you can make up your own mind, but it's not like dirty money. It's not like I'm selling, (laughs) I don't know, some kind of miracle cure snake oil on the site or something. They do what they say they're going to do. So good enough with me. And they, and, and I had to make up a number for them to, to advertise. And I told them $30 a month, I'll put your little square graphic thingy, on my site somewhere. And I promise something big, you know, I'll put it right at the top of my site, you know, give you the best <laughs> possible placement for 30 bucks a month. And they wrote back and said, I'd like to buy that for six months then please. Cause to them, I'm sure they were like, Oh my God, this idiot kid. And you know, <laughs> at least we'll get this. Cause I don't want to be troubled to re- do this. And I was like, sure. And I have the PayPal invoice for $180. <laughs> I left it there for, for, for all those months. And then and then you can see, you know, I can look back to those email threads of, of of, of, me kind of like, you know, trying to up the price on them, but give them more for their money kind of thing and other placements and start thinking about other things I can do for them for money. And, you know, th- I think they were the primary sponsor of the site for a long time. You know, there's probably three, four years in there of of having them and then and then it wasn't like it's not like they ever went away necessarily I think we still have a some kind of PSD to HTML service we still advertise and it's like 13 years later but they now they just buy it programmatically I don't even have to talk to anybody that kind of stuff uh, but then it changed you know then it was woofoo for a long time because I worked there and then whatever there was, that was, got it was the one with the little
0: <laughs> dinosaur wasn't it that would
1: pop up and sure and the tree house yeah, was I on there that for that a one. long time they're a frog and I do weird stuff with the frog and and, you know and that's what I wanted to sell I established this like I'll do something fun for you for this premium price and really what they were buying is like you know they're following get buying like you know a premium placement do follow link on the you know like they were getting their money's worth probably so I and I'm still playing that game to this day I'm still trying to find ways to work with advertisers that I like do good stuff for them but also try to keep it as hands off as possible and all that and it's just grown up over the time but not but not dramatically you know there's no moment where it was like today's company is different than yesterday's company ever in the whole 13 years it was just a slow slow burn you know once in a while we'll like yeah. land a new advertiser or something and that's a great moment but it's never it never doubles our income and you know there's never a, a dramatic moment it's always slow burn mm.
0: did getting other people to write on the site change the change how you thought about it much? Was that a big moment or was that just a natural evolution?
1: Oh, uh, kind of. That was, even that kind of happened slowly though. Like once in a while, I'd allow that kind of thing. And then, and then, and then, you know, there's enough of it. That's I should probably have somebody help me with the editing. And then, you know, even that though, it never, it didn't feel like a big moment, but, but these days it is a bigger part of it. I'd say we probably are, you know, half or over of posts that are written by, um, By guest writers and probably like, I don't know, 70% of people, maybe of, of not me, but I still write a lot. I'm still like the top author by far, you know, some like (laughs) 5,000 blog posts on there or something crazy. Um, I don't think it's that high. Is it that high? Maybe it is. Uh, uh, it's a lot anyway. And so, you know, that, that's a big deal, but it, it kind of like, it wasn't, I don't think that moment then shot us into some another stratosphere of of traffic or anything which is a little unfortunate because that's a big investment you know those that's having somebody else write a post is almost more work than doing it yourself because you gotta you know you gotta vet it and edit it and then you gotta make sure that they get paid and they're taken care of and they have a profile on the site and they, they have editing control too and it's this whole it's this whole thing the idea being though that you know, you're getting content that you wouldn't have gotten any other way. Like there's a lot of articles that are written that, that I can't write, you know, so it opens up mm-hmm. publishing doors in that way. And, I'm just not sure like I, I do it because I it's just kind of the, the flow now I don't I don't think it's it's not it's not even it's not <laughs> optional anymore like we kind of have to do that we need a we need some kind of train of content that you know now we because it all they, they all it all affects each other like you have advertisers it's not like the advertisers are like I expect you to publish x posts a day but you become a different site if you publish one post a week Yeah, it just feels weird because we sell sponsored content, too. So what if we have two sponsored blog posts in a week and we only wrote one article Well, you're outnumbering your own website with sponsored content (laughs) with with non-sponsored? That's like a terrible look, you know, so some of these things just like the dominoes just are the jigsaw pieces just are the way they are, you know.
0: I guess the, the nature of CSS and, and front end of the web is there's there's always something new to write about as well, isn't there? You kind of, part of me thinks, oh, at some point you must like be, are you done? Have you written all about all the CSS things?
1: <laughs> no, it's arbitrary. <laughs> and you can even write the same article again two years later with saying a few different things. It's fine, you know?
2: Yeah. So so as, did it start off as you just trying to find out lots of new things about CSS and just writing little tidbits about them or? Yeah, exactly
1: and 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 with with no nothing interesting about them no i wasn't breaking any new ground i wasn't writing a post that was particularly amazing bookmarkable great content it was just kind of like hey eh, this is this is what's on, on my mind right now i just learned about hmm. this so let me write up a little <laughs> you know mostly terribly embarrassing you know here's three ways to make bold headers or you know <laughs> Are they still there? Are they? In, are they? Oh, those yeah. posts still exist? Totally. I don't unpublish I anything. Yeah.
2: <laughs> do you ever go back and refer to stuff you've written when you are uh, tackling a oh yeah I mean, that's, CSS
1: problem right? I mean that's a big. I think all developers do that because the chance if you wrote it that's the kind of work that you do probably yeah. So you'll, you'll, I yeah, I think that's really really common. It certainly is for me. I try to remember to only go. You know, like if I know something's on our site. I try to make sure, even if it's not the top Google result, that I end up on our site too. To be <laughs> like, why isn't it then? Like, is that other result? Do they do a better job of answering the question that I'm looking for than our site does? Because that's a little moment. It's, it might be something that I can fix really quickly. Like, just hit edit on that post and change what the content that's there to kind of like answer the question that that it it, it should be answering better. Yeah. So. There's an awful lot of writing new content, but there's equal or more of editing old content because get, we get a ton of emails that's just like, oh, I tried this and this is wrong now or this thing has changed or I know it's changed so I can go change it or somebody offers to update it or something. So there's an awful lot of, um, of updating content as well that happens. I kind of pride ourselves on that too, that it's not this hive of misinformation, you know, that when when there's anything that I know is wrong on the site, at least it gets queued up to be dealt with. You know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's really good. Well, thanks a lot, Chris. Loads of fantastic stuff there. Um, we always ask our guests one final question as part of our episode. I mean, that's three top tips for people looking to change career or coming and learning about new stuff in code.
1: You are Three hot tips for new people coming into the industry. That's it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we can we can look back on our own episode here for this, right? We can say to to have a website. I know that you mentioned the, that that ten percent. I just pulled that number out of nowhere. I was basing that on <laughs> like like let's say you post a job because you're hiring somebody, how many of those emails that you get from that job posting are people that clearly identify what their personal website is. And I bet that number is something like 10%, although that is absolutely pulled out of the air. So there you go. (laughs) But I'll tell you when I'm hiring, it's almost a prerequisite. Like I would be really shocked at myself to hire somebody, um, who just didn't have any online Presence at all, or I shouldn't say that that would be re- extra weird to have no online presence at all. <laughs> Why, how do you not have your own website? Just spin something up like, oh gosh, it just feels like how can you be that invested in the web and not feel like you should have some claim there? It just feels like I don't know, Feels like the kind of person I would want to hire. So, that's that there's a newcomer thing, just get it. Plus, Plus, it will teach you some stuff. It will teach you how to buy a domain name, how to deal with hosting. It'll like make sure that you've jumped those basic hurdles that you know. Like th- these are the basic steps of how you get a website in place. Anyway, it's like proof of that. That's cool, and it gives you a real some real stake in the game. So you can't say like, oh, I you know I can't practice web design. I don't have anything to work on. Nobody will hire me, kind of thing. I'm like, well, you do. You have your personal <laughs> website. So work on that. You know. And then it gives you this chance to have some envy, which is another tip. I think, I think it's, it's nice to have, it's nice to be developing your taste for things as you're working on things. And that's a, that's a, that's a tricky one. But I think anytime you like have that little sense of when you're looking at some website, you're like, Oh, that is awesome. You know, that is way better than anything I've ever done. Or or even if you're not trying to compare like that, you know, because you don't need to dunk on yourself all the time, you know, but to but to but just be like have some envy for how good their thing is. And like, what can I steal or what can I learn from this or what can I, you know, what can I take back to my own work just from observing how this this other site does things. That is like a hot tip, I think, you know, like you should almost have like a mental, if not physical archive of, of, of things that you think are awesome. And then you're seven you want to steal too. That's, that's too, I don't even know what three should be. Three is like, I, I'll use my classic one where I'm just like, the exact quote is you'd be amazed what you can do if you just sit down and do it kind of thing. Uh, not kind of thing. It just yeah. ends without me saying kind of thing at the end. <laughs> and it's that it's that it's that it's just i find it to be incredible like if you're not distracted and you just sit down to do a job like how much you can accomplish in just a single day i think it can be just astounding how much work can get done if you just, just literally just sit there and do it it's not like i feel like most apps in the world like you can get like a working shell of a of a big idea done in a very short amount of time and i think people will surprise themselves if you can just just do it you know
0: <laughs> oh, that's really good now yeah, that nice, ties nicely into um something that i've i took away from watching your videos back in the day chris i mean i think it was on the, the lodge as it was called i think was what it was um and i was always amazed that compared to other i, I would see tutorials where everything was like they just went through um Everything was lined up. Everything was perfect. Everything happened the way they wanted to. Not, there were no surprises. Whereas you would sit down and like, try something new and see if something broke or something didn't work the way you wanted. You you kind of fought through it on the screen, and that was that really left a mark on me. That was really you know, sort of showed me what the job is. Almost.
1: I've gotten that a lot, and I, I think that's cool too. Because you do, you know, there's some obvious stuff, you know, like. I don't know. Troubleshooting is a thing you need to learn how to do too. So to watch somebody else do it, you know, even if you happen to know the answer, can be kind of satisfying. Like that was a troubleshooting moment. So I'm glad we got through that together. Um, and I wonder if it's changed over time. Like I, I think th- you can do that to some degree now, but you need to have some kind of like light mastery of what you're doing. Otherwise to watch somebody that j- literally just has no idea what they're just so stuck you know, like 30 minutes of watching somebody be stuck and not even know how to unstick themselves is not it. Plus, I think maybe at the time of the lodge, there was like a higher tolerance for that globally. Like there's so much more tech learning stuff out there that's of so much higher quality than what I was doing. That the kind of global tolerance for screwing around on video is a little lower than it used to be. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, I like that, too. I like to watch somebody use a Plus, there's some kind of, like, element of realness to it, right? Like, it's <laughs> actual development is happening here, not fake polished yeah, development. Gives
0: it an extra edge of authenticity, doesn't it?
2: Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, if our listeners wanted to maybe get try and get in touch, uh, what would be the best way for them to
1: do that? Well, I have a personal website, of course, chriscoyer.net. It's a great website. Just check it out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and he's not lying. It is great. I, lo- I love the little, like, the... <laughs> The options on the bio uh, that you've got with the first person, third person, excellent stuff there. Fantastic. If the listeners haven't seen it, they should go. And look.
1: All right. Thanks, gang. I should run, too. I really appreciate it, though. And good luck on, on your journey, Ed, and everybody. Yep. Yeah.
2: Thanks a lot. Excellent.
0: Cool. Well, cheers, Chris.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of A Question of Code. Make sure you check us out on Twitter at aqo code.
0: And you can find us online at aqoc.dev or questionofcode.com, where you can find all the information about how to get in touch with us and to suggest items uh, that we can discuss in future episodes as well as people that we might want to talk to. Yeah, make sure
2: you're subscribing and telling all the people that you know about this podcast so we can reach as many people as possible. And hopefully see you next time.
0: Bye. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.